0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another cloudy day here in the capital city as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. My name is Scott Chaloner and I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Simon Drew. Simon is the Group Chief Financial Officer of the Bravo Group, incorporating Broker Network, Compass Network and Ethos Broking. Simon, very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the program today. Good morning. Good morning, Simon. Pleasure having you. Now, the purpose of this discussion is to establish first and foremost your take on leadership. So, if we go aside and look at that word "leader" in isolation, firstly, I'm interested to understand what that word actually means to you and how it resonates on the whole.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. So, just before I sort of launch into that a quick bit of background about the Bravo Group, so the Bravo Group was essentially formed about four years ago. Um, It was formed from a business that was called Broker Network that looks after independent insurance brokers in the UK. At the time, it was about 500. Uh, And from there, we grew uh, an M&A strategy with the use of US private equity money. So when I look at leadership, we've taken this business through from virtually zero EBITDA to around 25 million. We now employ nearly 900 people across around 36 locations. When we started four years ago, we had one location and 140 staff. So you can see we've had rapid transformation in the company. And as a result of that, growing pains occur. So when I think of leadership, I think immediately of how we've helped people, A, come into the business, because there's obviously a cultural um, aspects to the Bravo Group, which are quite unique to us as, a, as an organization. And then there's leading the existing staff that were with us when, they, when we started the journey sort of four years ago through what is obviously rapid change. And with that comes questions around people's own individual uh, roles and ambitions within a group that is rapidly expanding at a great rate of knots. We've bought some 38 acquisitions of, of insurance brokers in that period of time, as I say, using uh, private equity money um, in the main, but then we, uh, we received a Deutsche Bank uh, loan facility just over a year ago, which we've uh, which we've used as well for those acquisitions. So a lot of change, and therefore leadership in my my mind is about bringing people along on that journey and all of the pluses and minuses that, that brings. Um, it's been a great journey, and it continues to be a great journey. But it's all cemented by uh, by the people that we employ.
0: And thinking about people for a moment and more specifically people management, of course, are very important elements of leadership as a whole. How would you describe that your leadership style from that standpoint
1: yeah it's um it's quite consultative it's um we we try and pride ourselves that the management team the senior management team doesn't really drive an ego. um I think you need to have desire, passion, and influence in the business, of course but that can take very different shapes. So we we are quite pragmatic. We uh, we include as many people as we can in decision-making. We are very open to our staff. Uh, the staff can come and talk to us as an exec team uh, and a board you know, very openly and very honestly. There is no there is no hiding place. People can ask questions at any time that they want. And, you know, I always say my office door is always open, and, and that's very true. And that's the same for my fellow ex-co uh, colleagues as well that are leading various parts of the business we're very open uh we're a very open business um on exco itself just to uh, just to bring in uh, sort of where we are with things like diversity for a moment we've got uh we've actually got more ladies on our executive committee than we have uh gentlemen which is uh, which is a first especially in the insurance industry um and that helps bring itself uh, a, a, you know an added dimension as well which is um, which I think is a great thing we need to do more We need to do more around uh, other aspects of diversity, um, disabled as well as uh, other ethnic um, areas of the business. But the stuff that we are looking at, you know, when we buy businesses, we buy businesses with people that are in them and we don't don't change those businesses. So that's uh, another sort of good string to our bow, if you like, from a cultural Mm. perspective of the group.
0: And as sort of employees, I suppose we often look to those above us in the business world for sort of inspiration, um, especially in the uh, the here and now with COVID-19, where we're looking to those above us for reassurance. But when you are sort of an executive and you're pretty much at the top of the tree in a leadership role, where do you sort of draw inspiration from?
1: Oh, yeah, great question. So look, we, we always try and do the best thing by the business. And when I mean the business, I mean, the people who are in it, our clients, our suppliers, everybody. So when we hit COVID-19, as an example, you know, it's very easy for everybody to bunker down and and sort of try and maintain cash flow. I was very deliberate for us to pay what I would call the small guys, you know, the people that deliver our milk in the morning. It's it's as simple and as as basic as that, but it's an essential need. Um, So it's too easy for for an accountant or a finance director or CFO to suddenly bolt down all the hatches with regards to cash. But that for us was the wrong thing to do you know businesses support businesses and especially in our world our insurance brokers who we look after as members but also as we own are there to deliver a service to their SME community Um, and that's the same for you know how we run our business so um, when I look at COVID-19 looking at leadership it's trying to do the best by the business and those that serve the business whether it's internal or external and I suppose the only other thing to that is um, is make decisive leadership and run with credibility because you know we're, we're humans at the end of the day and, and we all make mistakes. So nobody is perfect. But as I say, with the backdrop of trying to do the very best, I think if the majority of staff and our suppliers look at us to go, actually, private group have done pretty well by us as an individual. I think that gets the credibility box. That's where we draw our inspiration because. I think if we're doing it wrong because of our open culture, we will be, you know, held to account not only by our shareholders and and our clients, but also our staff and our suppliers.
0: And has the day to day running of the uh, the business also been impacted by the uh, the pandemic? So, for example, having to maybe work from home, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, as I say, we've got nearly nine hundred staff across thirty six sites, and we're very fortunate that it's an office based environment. And uh, providing you had a laptop and you had a An internet connection, you can pretty much log in from anywhere, and I think that's been, I think, the biggest win for us because we're now questioning, you know, what does it look like to have a property infrastructure throughout the UK? Because quite clearly, for the last three or four months, we've managed to work pretty effectively from home. It's been more difficult where sort of account executives and account handlers would normally go out and see clients. So, as you can imagine, if you're insuring assets they really need to be looked at as to what the assets are being uh, being insured. So whether it's a, a business premises, which is a plastics factory or a warehouse or or whatever, normally we'd go and, and visit. So that's been a little bit of a challenge. But I think as we go through uh, the opening of the economy, that's becoming easier as more and more businesses return to work. But look, you know, we furloughed out of 900 only 17 staff, um, and that was only really because they couldn't effectively work from home. Um, so we pride ourselves that you know the, the workforce, in its main ninety percent of it, worked fine from home during this period.
0: That's really encouraging uh, to hear. And um, since in a lot of office-based environments, we have lost that sort of human interaction space um, as well, there's been a real renewed focus on the importance of mental health and well-being uh, during this time as we've adjusted to new working practices. Um, How important do you think that mental health is in leadership as a whole, both in terms of looking after your own as an executive and also that of your colleagues?
1: Oh gosh, yes. Great, great question. So in the last year, we've certainly built um, more of a support base for mental awareness. And we've got leaders within our business and in our employees to sort of be uh, mental health warriors, as we call it, to try and look out for staff that are feeling, uh, dare I say, vulnerable or uh, depressed or, or whatever other um, mental health aspects have, have, have come around, not only because of COVID, but we actually kicked this off six to eight months or so before COVID. It exacerbated because of COVID-19, because to your point, you know, human interaction is hugely important. And I feel for for those that may, may live on their own, that use an office-based environment to get their human interaction, as soon as you put everybody working from home, that really does become difficult. So trying to make sure everybody is inclusive, that we're trying to do as much as we can through web chat, you know, using MS Teams or, or Zoom or, or other type of mediums where you can have a physical face-to-face um conversation has as i think helped but it but it doesn't substitute the fact you know the, the office banter is a, is a vital part of you know stress relief mental health even the ability just to be able to knock on somebody's door and say hey can i have a quick catch up with you i'm stressed about something i'm worried about something and if you're doing that impersonally via a web chat or or, or other form that becomes difficult Mm. so you have to extend your reach further as a leader and be cognizant of that sometimes you have to just you know reach into people when i when we first did covid um when we first started working from home i would randomly pick a member of staff a day and actually just do a dial-in and just call them up and say hello just because the way covid's worked and, and, and how our business has formed that's sort of fallen away and that's my bad but i was personally cognizant of people that were just you know suddenly now working from home in a fairly isolated manner so it's it's difficult and there's no right answer to it and everybody's got their own different approach
0: it's all about adaptability and flexibility isn't it no one approach is necessarily going to work for any one personality and especially when it comes to showing leadership from a distance has been the case during this time um Mm -hmm. having reflected on the impact of uh, covid19 it only serves that before we wrap things up we should also address the uh, the future as well so if we think about that for a moment simon what do you think the next 12 months holds for yourself and for the bravo group and what do you hope to achieve as we move through the pandemic and begin to embrace the challenges of the new normal and what that might bring
1: yeah so if i just think internally for a minute um clearly having an office footprint in the uk is going to come under some form of questioning as we look at our operating model going forward and that's not just our business that will be our clients and that will be generally other businesses up and down the uk um especially those from an office-based environment because you know you, you said earlier you're you're in london i'm in i'm in leafy lancashire um but certainly knowing the city of london as well as i do you know there's lots of offices there that have been empty for the last four months well Question mark is going to be is, is is what do those offices look like on a go forward and therefore you change from our perspective the businesses that you're insuring and what assets you're insuring so um it's going to take a very different form over the next 12 months I think the key for us I think as a, as a society will be um what does a vaccine against COVID 19 actually look like and how that's rolled out and I think until that you know happens For the whole population. Things like bars, restaurants, hotels will all have to have some form of social distancing, um, as will offices. Um, And that brings itself its own challenges as well. So if you do go back to an office or a workplace environment, you know, this virus is still in the community until we get a vaccine. So, you know, there's going to be maybe a, a, a couple of phases of this for the next couple of years until a vaccine is established. And then what does it look like post that, will we all go back to a norm pre-March of 2020? As I sit here today, only in July 2020, I'm not so sure that we will. You know, the, the, the way we travelled around the world, the way we travelled to faraway destinations, I think has changed forever. That's just my personal view. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's also exciting. It does bring opportunities, and certainly coming back to the Bravo Group, we see opportunities as we go forward. You know, we've got a very active mergers and acquisitions um uh, ambition and that will still be fulfilled and i think the bravo group will still grow in the same way as it always thought it would it just might have a slight different dimension in terms of operational aspects in terms of where physically people are working but the actual work i don't think for us will will change too much
0: Really interesting um, points there, Simon. And I think, you know, given how informative it's been having you discuss these issues with us on the programme today, it would actually be fantastic to have you back on the um, programme in a few months' time with us just to catch up and see how things are getting on in that respect.
1: Sure, no problem.
0: I think it would be fantastic, uh, both for myself and from a listener's perspective, given how informative it's been having you join us today. It's been a real pleasure, Simon, and I thank you again uh, for your time taken to join us. And most importantly, until we do speak again in future, which I'm sure we will, um, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on. Because although we're seeing things slowly beginning to return to normality, we're certainly, of course, not out of the woods with this one yet.
1: Great. Yes. Thank you for your time today as
0: well. That was Simon Drew speaking, the Group Chief Financial Officer of the Bravo Group. Coming up next on today's programme, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with former England cricket captain Sir Andrew Strauss. Since retiring from his playing days, Sir Andrew has become the Director of Cricket for the England and Wales Cricket Board. However, to backtrack during his cricket career, Sir Andrew joined an illustrious club of just three England captains to have secured the ashes both at home and away in Australia. He also became the England skipper with the second highest number of test victories under his belt in history during his tenure. And I hope that you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan relished the opportunity to speak with Sir Andrew himself. That is coming up next.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White and today we're joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the ECB. Sir Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Real pleasure to be here. Thank you.
2: The pleasure is all of ours. You know, And you've had a distinguished career, as I said, both on and off the pitch in English cricket, recognised not least with your knighthood for services to sport just last year. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, Now, there have been ups and downs in the career, like any career, including public and private disagreements with certain individuals. And on that front, I think what everybody wants to know have you finally forgiven Marcus Dresscothic for giving you that stupid Lord Brockett nickname?
3: <laughs> um, well, my recollection was that it wasn't Marcus Dresscothic who gave me that nickname. Ah. It was actually Mark Butcher. Uh, He's but to blame. I think there were a lot of people. It was the senior England teams at the mo- mm. at that time who wanted to sort of put me in my place
2: See your name being put up on the Lord's Honour Board after your first appearance.
3: Yeah, uh, look, uh, I'd just been transported to a completely different world. Almost, I'd been—I was a Middlesex player. I was mm. captain of Middlesex. All my focus was on helping Middlesex sort of win the championship and whatever. And then a week later, I've scored a Test century, which is something I'd always dreamed out—literally you know, all my life. was going in a completely different path from the team's agenda and you know if and when that happens that that should be a problem for a leadership and if it isn't a problem then you're not doing your but job properly. absolutely
2: um and wi- with all that in mind actually uh and perhaps this is a bit of a in question but what advice would you give to others in a similar position leading a team um being looked up to what would be the key advice you'd give to them
3: They they'll know your heart's in the right place and they uh they'll feel comforted. There'll be a degree of sort of psychological safety or some or whatever it might you might term to to make sure that the, the team comes together when the going gets tough. If they genuinely don't believe you care about them and you're in it for yourself, um it doesn't matter how charismatic you might be, it doesn't matter, you know, how gregarious and, and how um